Welcome to the Rear Wellness Podcast, the podcast designed to help you heal holistically and give you the tools you need to thrive. We're making it easy to understand medicine and wellness with practical steps from the experts, one podcast at a time. All that we ask is that if this podcast episode helps you live just a little bit better and more aligned, that you share this with a friend and you give us a review. That's all that we ask so that we can continue to provide you with free, valuable knowledge from the experts of well-being. Today, we're going to be talking about savoring the present moment and mindfulness. Life can be hard sometimes, filled with stress and challenges. However, it's important to remember that we do have the power to navigate through these difficult situations and find ways to thrive. So today we're bringing an expert in to help give you some tools you need to thrive and stay in the present moment during the challenging moments in life. Dr. Ohadian is a Florida native and has 10 years of clinical experience in the field of psychology. She's worked in numerous settings, but primarily has worked with health populations, student athletes, LGBTQ plus populations, and currently specializes and works as a licensed pain psychologist at NWSPM. She's a total foodie who loves vintage shopping, classic cars, and good rock music too. We're so excited to have you on, Dr. Ohanian. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm doing great. Excited to talk to you today. I'm so excited to have you. So how did you first become aware of mental health um, and how did you decide to pursue a career in psychology? Yeah. So really, really early on, I was introduced to it then it disappeared from my life and then came back later um, when I was in middle school we had this class called peer counselors and you got to work with an actual licensed counselor teacher that trained you how to be a good peer friend, peer counselor, and we were paired up with each other. So I literally was like a mini counselor in middle school. to one of my friends helped her through a really tough time. What was that experience like? It was middle school. It was really wonderful. And I remember looking up to that teacher so, so much. Um, I ended up majoring actually in engineering of all things in college. And in my like third year of college, I practically failed out of calculus three and was like bawling in my room. I was like, what am I going to do? There's nothing else. And I took the psychology of women course at Florida State University at the time. And I was like, wow, this professor kind of reminds me of that that counselor lady from middle school who really inspired me and motivated me and helped me to understand what it was like to be a woman in engineering at the time totally. and everything I was facing. And so in the midst of my tears, trying to pick a new major and trying to still graduate on time, I chose psychology and really have not looked back since. Absolutely. So it wasn't when you were in middle school, it wasn't like you knew right away from that moment this is what I want to do. It later on came on full circle and that psychology class inspired you to, yes. that's incredible. Yes. Um, that's really cool. So there's a lot of different aspects to psychology. What kind of therapy do you specialize in and what's your approach to mental wellness? Yeah. So um, mostly I've focused on health psychology as a whole. And right now I specialize in treating uh, people with chronic pain and disabilities as a pain psychologist. Um, I experience chronic pain myself. I have fibromyalgia and a number of other disorders that I deal with, systemic 
things that I've dealt with since I was in the third grade. Um, So yeah, so I've had kind of my own personal um, health journey, but then Mm -hmm. the psychological journey next to it, because I'm very athletic and I love going outside and I love being active and that really clashed with the Mm -hmm. needs of my body. And so, you know, they always say in psychology, um, research is me search. Mm -hmm. So I really shifted from, you know, um, studying just general psychology and things into health psychology, not only to better understand myself, but to also take what I had been learning and how I had grown and empower others to do the same. So I really like bring passion to my work with Absolutely. There's a different level of passion when you're affected by something personally, and it means something to you. So today we're talking about savoring the present moment in mindfulness, which can be so difficult, especially when we're going through tough situations or experiencing chronic pain or struggles in life. Um, Can you give us an explanation of what mindfulness is? Uh, Why is it important for everyone? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So mindfulness really is like paying attention on purpose in the present moment without judgment. That can be hard. Oh, yeah. It's really just like being here now. And like the research shows, this is wild. And for some people, this number is higher, I'll be honest. But the research shows that about 40% of our thoughts are not in the present moment. I I definitely experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. It's higher for women. Shocker. Um, But even as we are here right now, there's thoughts Mm -hmm. about the future, thoughts about the past. As you're listening to this podcast, your mind is probably wandering to what you're going to make for dinner or whatever, right? Like we're here now, but we're not like mentally really here now. And so mindfulness is allowing us to really just like ground down in that present moment and just be open and non-judgmental. So yeah, definitely not an easy thing, but definitely a helpful thing. Well, it's also interesting that you described that so many of us struggle with mindfulness. There are tools that we're so excited to hear from you today that can just help ground us again in that present moment, especially during those moments when your mind is spinning and you're thinking about so many other things. So life is hard. How do we find joy and cope better? Um, How do we focus on being present, especially while we're experiencing hardships or suffering? Today's podcast is brought to you by the Premium Center for Regenerative Medicine and Stem Cell Therapy in the Northwest, Northwest Center for Regenerative Medicine. Get back to the activities that you love without needing surgery. You can book your appointment at nwc4rm.com. Again, that's nwc4rm.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Rare Wellness Supplements. You can head over to rareplanethealth.com to get your supplements. My personal favorite is the Premium fish oil filled with omega-3s. Again, you can go to rareplanethealth.com and get the supplements that you most need to support your health and wellness today. Lastly, this podcast is also brought to you by Rare Wellness. Rare Wellness is located on the South Hill in Spokane and is one center that provides all the wellness tools that you could need. Whether you're looking for a hands-on premium intimate yoga studio with a therapeutic emphasis, bar classes, Tai Chi classes, if you're looking for skincare treatments, injectable, hydrofacial, microneedling, organic spa treatments, if you're wanting to get therapeutic massage or book functional medicine appointments to get down to the root cause of your inflammation, Rare Wellness is the place for you. Whatever your wellness needs are, they have it covered. So to book your appointment today, go to rarewellness.com. Again, go to rarewellness.com and mention this podcast for 10% off when you're booking. Okay, time to get back to the episode.
Yeah. Um, so I know we were just talking about how difficult mindfulness can be, but also there's like a simplicity to it too. Mm. Right. Um, so, you know, I've said to people, you know, I've had many, many patients over the years and I'll say, yeah, like, let's just be in your life now. Let's just be here now when you're at home and you're stressed out, just be in that present moment. And they may say to me, Dr. O, I do not want to be in that present moment. I want to be in anywhere but here in my Mm -hmm. mind. But at the same time, when we think about this 40%, you know, how rarely we're actually here now, what what that's doing is causing a cognitive load onto what we're already dealing with in the present moment, right? So they may say, you know, my life isn't that great. I don't want to be here now. But if we decrease the amount of stress on our minds and our bodies by not dealing with what's in the present and what we're thinking about in the past and what we're making for dinner and our to-do list, right? Mm -hmm. That's less. It's just less on our system. Even if what's right here now is hard, it's less, right? So so you're saying even if a moment is extremely difficult for me to handle. If I'm able to just focus on that moment, even Mm -hmm. with all of the pain that I'm experiencing, even with all of the emotional stress, dealing with just that moment is easier than actually trying to escape it. Yes, exactly. Wow. Our present moment doesn't need to be great for Mm -hmm. us to benefit from mindfulness. It's really just about being here right now. It's simple. Have you always had that mindset or was that an expectation that you had to adjust? Because I feel like sometimes, at least for me, I feel like I've definitely received the messaging that you always have to be happy or life Mm -hmm. is meant to always be high. When did you kind of learn that it doesn't have to be? And how did you go about switching that mindset? Yeah, I think chronic pain will do that to you, really, in a sense, because you have to learn to live with what is. You can't just be in constant denial about the experience Mm. inside your own body. And so how can I be with what is and honor that without it being all that I am, without it taking me over, but seeing Mm -hmm. it as a part of my experience that can shift and change. And like, what is it like now? Mm right? I'm really changing my relationship to pain. I'm changing my relationship to my body. I'm changing my relationship to the here and now. Um, And that's enough. Yeah. Does it get easier the more that you allow yourself to experience those emotions and accept that pain as a piece of who, a piece of your experience? It absolutely does. And, And when we say the word pain, you can substitute your own struggle in there, right? It can be emotional pain. It could be physical pain. It could be depression, anxiety, social anxiety, whatever it is for you. Yeah. You can substitute that in as we talk about this. Um, and it does get easier because let me be real with you. All you're doing is feeling what you're already feeling. That's you, deep. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's like, I need to think about that for a second. Yeah. yeah. You're feeling it. You're feeling it all. Your body is storing memories, experiences, emotions, physical and emotional pain. It is already in there. And it is like if you imagine a balloon in your chest, Mm -hmm. every time you have an emotion or a discomfort or an experience that you don't want to feel, it just goes in the balloon and it just goes in the balloon and it just goes in the balloon and it grows and it grows and it grows. And you're like, oh, I'm coping well. Maybe you're not. You're not feeling what's already within you. All you're doing is just experiencing what already is turning towards it and unpacking it before it explodes. Really, you're getting ahead of what is to come that is building up. 
what happens if you don't experience those emotions or if you try to avoid it? Well, gosh, you tell me. I feel like I, I've definitely experienced when I try to suppress them, I explode. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, those memes where like someone's like pulling the paper towel out of the toilet or out of, you know, yeah. just and going. their eyes out and they're, yeah, like, I've been there. <laughs> or we have this like one moment and we're always like, oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. all it took was spilling milk for me to have a breakdown. Yeah. It was not the milk. Yeah. It is not yeah. the paper towels. It is not the whatever triggered it. It's that balloon. Just that yeah. they say like the straw that broke the camel's back. It just took that one piece of straw and it broke. But totally building up a long time. So really, if you just are like you make space for what you're already feeling, mm-hmm. take time, unpack it, honor it, just honor it, whatever it is, good, bad, and, and everything in between, honor what's there in a moment that you are choosing, that's an empowered way to feel what you're already feeling. So how does our autonomic nervous system impact our social behavior and our emotional well-being? Can you talk a little bit about the polyvagal theory by Stephen Porges and how it relates to our nervous system and how that relates to our overall well-being? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So classically, traditionally, we've thought about our nervous system um, in kind of two ways. So we've got an autonomic and nervous system that's kind of the umbrella. And so the two Mm -hmm. ones that we always talked about historically was the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. So for some of you, these may be new terms. For some of you, it may not be. Quick background on that is the parasympathetic nervous system allows us to parachute down from our stress. Mm -hmm. It's referred to as the rest and digest state. And then the sympathetic nervous system is kind of like when people refer to um, your flight. Um, Mm -hmm. That is the sympathetic nervous arousal. It's very active. And we kind of thought of it in these two very binary ways classically. And then what was wonderful is that Stephen Forges came around and said, ah, there's more to it than that. There's a lot more nuance here, I think. We're not just animals, right? So animals have parasympathetic and sympathetic. You know, they're being attacked by a lion one second, and then the next second they're eating grass. Like, yeah, very binary, clear. But um, I don't know. We have this thing called the frontal lobe. Right. Um, we're complicated. We're complicated. We right. know this, right? We're more than just like a gazelle. Um, and so he's trying to speak to that by bringing up that we have um, these ventral vagal pathways, right? So um, within the parasympathetic nervous system, we have the possibility of ventral vagal activation or dorsal vagal activation. Okay. So the ventral vagal is this like social connectedness, like maybe for you, it's being at home with your family on your favorite Mm -hmm. couch with your puppy. And you're just like, ah, right. Relaxing. Um, Or yeah. Like maybe for you, that's curled up on the couch with your partner or, um, that like moment of joy where you and your friends sing in the car, you know, that's that ventral vagal activation moment. Uh, the dorsal vagal is more of that immobilized. So we talked about the sympathetic nervous system having fight or flight. Well, within parasympathetic, you even have 
the freeze, the freeze response, that immobilization where our system is overwhelmed and shut down. So on the surface, it could look like, oh, they're chill. No, you're sitting in the mm-hmm. corner totally stuck and freaked out. What does that freeze state look like? How can I know if I'm maybe experiencing a freeze state in my life? Yes, yes. Yeah, that overwhelmed, that shut down. Um, so some of the signs might be like difficulty making a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone may ask like what you want for dinner and maybe you typically know, but you're just like, nope, I got nothing. I can't think right now. I can't right. make a simple decision. Um, just really shut down in that way. You, um, another big sign of it is I don't want to engage with others or when I do have someone try to engage with me, it feels really overwhelming and I just can't. Isolation. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. What if I find myself in one of these three states? How do I how do I navigate between them? How do I know when I need to seek outside help? Um, what do I start doing when I recognize, okay, I'm either in fight or flight or I'm in a free state? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this whole um, polyvagal theory, you know, from Stephen Porges that we're talking about here, it really helps us understand how our body and our brain work together to respond to stress, um, to respond to things in everyday life. But it also helps us to be more aware of things that are more serious, like um, unresolved trauma. Because these states that we're talking about are, um, yeah, there's rest and relax and connectedness, but there's also fight, flight, and freeze and appease, which they don't talk about here necessarily, but appease, I just want you all to know, this is a really important one. Um, Sometimes it's called fawn, um, but because of that whole frontal lobe thing, another way we cope with trauma is that we appease to our perpetrators. So whatever they say, I'm going to do uh, to keep myself alive. So that's also a part survival. of the survival mechanisms, mm-hmm. not really talked about too much in the polyvagal theory. So another interesting part of these states is that they're not, um, like I said, binary earlier, like they're not like perfectly in boxes. There's a lot right. of like overlap and flow and nuance between them. So it's not like, oh, I'm here and I'm stuck here and there's no mm. going elsewhere. So first of all, hey, we've been talking about mindfulness. Guess what? You can't make a change unless you know where the heck you are. Which can be scary. Like Uh it can be scary to sit down and actually face where you're at. Own it. Yeah. 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 You first have to pay attention. So one of the biggest, biggest subcomponents of mindfulness is just paying attention in the here and now. If it's scaring me to, to realize where I'm at because I don't know how to get out of it. What if I recognize where I'm at, but I still don't know what to do next? Is it still, is it okay to notice what I'm going through and not do anything to fix it? Yeah. So there's kind of two answers there. Yeah. Number one, it depends. (laughs) Um, I would first recommend trying um, mindful awareness and noticing these different states on smaller scales first. What does that look like? Yeah. So when you're just starting to feel a little stressed out, that's where we're paying Mm -hmm. attention. Don't wait till your whole house is on fire. Just start grabbing something to put it out. Like start to notice these smaller garbage fires first, and then you can kind of come in with these skills that we're talking about today. We would never do that to our house. So why do we do that to our own bodies? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times I'll teach someone um, a coping skill and I'm like, okay, I want to teach you, you know, this is like a solo cup of water. Yeah. (laughs) It really can only put out a small fire right now as it's new and fresh. And they'll come back and be like, Dr. Oh, I tried that breathing technique and it didn't work. And I'll say, well, gosh, like 
how did you use it? What did you do? They're like, well, I waited until I had four flat tires and, you know, I had a, a doctor's appointment canceled right. on me. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay, we waited. We waited till the whole house is on yeah. fire. Let's scale it back. Try small. Well, and it's like those small decisions that compound when you're able to regulate consistently yeah. that you're able to not let it build up. Is that yes. what I'm hearing? Yeah, exactly. Life is not going to get any easier. People right. think like, I'll go to therapy and my life will change. Your life doesn't change. Mm. How you cope with, how you show up to life, that changes. And I'll have a lot of wow. people say to me, you know, not, nothing has changed in my life. My circumstances have not changed, but how I deal with it, how I respond to it and how I show up has changed. Which is powerful because you can't control the rest of it, but there is hope to know that you can approach life and not be overwhelmed by it, especially when you're in that state of feeling that pain, feeling that hopelessness, feeling that overwhelmed, that to know that you're going to be able to show up to the same situation someday and hopefully have a better coping with it. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how does the social engagement system play a role in our well-being? Yeah. So I was talking about this ventral vagal system. That's the one we really want to tap into, shift to. Obviously, it's not realistic for us to be there all the time. And like I said, you want to honor and be with what is when it shows up. It's already there. Um, But kind of when we want to tap into this ventral vagal, this social connectedness, um, we want to um, notice that the social engagement system is where it differs, how we differ from animals, right? Yeah. Those moments that I kind of mentioned earlier, like on the couch with your family or snuggling with your partner or that feeling of joy when you're singing in the car with your friend, right? A gazelle isn't having that. Let's be real. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's looking for its next meal and trying to go to sleep. <laughs> Right. Exactly. That connectedness and safety is so important. We were not born on an island. And if you're feeling lonely and disconnected, that's because that's important to Mm. to our survival as a species. It's important to our wellness, our joy, all of that. If I'm struggling with, um, I think especially, you know, after COVID, after Mm. um, even just with the massive rise of social media and like the disconnectedness that sometimes can just be the default in our society. If you're not intentional, what are some ways that if I'm feeling lonely, I can just start to try and look for connection, look for that social connection in my life. Right. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be big again, think small. Yeah. We have so many opportunities for connectedness whether we stay at home or leave the house there's so many opportunities Mm. right Um, a lot of times i'll have people even just close their eyes and think about all the people they've seen in their day the post person that delivered their mail you know um, even if they just peeked out the window that moment where they saw someone else Mm. um, the, the possibility of getting on video when you go and pick up your pharmacy medication, mm-hmm. like there's so many small moments that if we are not present, mm-hmm. we're we can not miss. gonna benefit. We're gonna miss it. We're gonna yeah. miss the moment. Well, it's so crazy that you say that because so often I feel like when when you're in that state of feeling alone or feeling disconnected, you don't even realize that those moments are there right. for connection. 
which is crazy because when I'm hearing you say this, it's, it's crazy that such simple moments really can give you such a connection. And I think about the times in my day when I take out my headphones, when I go out Mm -hmm. and I'm in Mm -hmm. at lunch somewhere. And I just, even if I'm not necessarily talking with someone, just the, the presence of being with other people and interacting, uh, can fill my cup or just, just taking the time to actually be mindful. It can be so easy to just be so, or repeating that negative belief that, oh, I am alone. I am not connected that I can start to almost manifest and create that in my life. Yeah. And I think shared activities is another huge one. And I think this is particularly even more important for men, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, Men do a lot of bonding over quiet shared activities. Think about fishing or video gaming, right? There's not a lot of like women, like we face each other and we want to talk, 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 and get a cup of coffee, coffee, open up our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. Guys are like, let's do a shared activity. Let's do a shared activity. It's usually side by side, right? Um, You know, and we may feel this as we go to a yoga class. Maybe I didn't Mm -hmm. talk to everyone in my restorative yin class. Yeah. but I feel this like um, universal connectedness. I'm a part of the human experience. Like I'm, yeah. Yes, I'm That's here now with these people. I don't need to know their names to feel that human connectedness. Can you provide an example of how savoring can deepen the ventral vagal experience? Yeah. So, you know, we've been talking about the importance of ventral vagal activation, that safety, that connectedness, that alert, relaxedness, um, and all the kind of little ways that this can show up for men, women, and everyone in between. Um, Savoring. I think I was thinking about this recently um, for different generations, how we use this word. And, Mm. um, you know, recently how there's been a lot in like social media about um, the opposite of a trigger is a glimmer. Yes. Yes. I've seen that trend. It's kind of fun. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Okay. So savoring is kind of similar to like really, really either in the present moment, being very like present with this like yummy glimmer moment mm-hmm. or recalling a glimmer moment in detail. Mm. And the ventral vagal, if you want to like up it a level is to involve a memory or a moment with someone else, like singing mm-hmm. with a friend in the car. And then you add that connectiveness. That connective piece, mm. right? We're really activating that ventral vagal bringing that in as our glimmer, as our savoring moment, and really just feeling that out. Um, Stephen Porges and and, um, Deb Dana, who wrote the book, um, The Polyvagal Theory and Therapy that I use, um, she suggests sifting that memory. Okay. So Mm. sifting stands for sensation, imagery, feeling, and thought. Sensation, imagery, feeling, and thought. What is that? Like, how do I apply that? Yes. Yes. So that moment in the car with your friend singing, I'm just going to take that as our example. If we sifted through that, like imagine like playing in the sand of that memory, that glimmer, Mm -hmm. we are feeling out what the sensations were of that, of our our five senses. So maybe I'm recalling the feeling of the leather um, of the Mm -hmm. beneath me or like the steering wheel. I'm remembering the song. I'm 
seeing her face lighting up next to me and rocking her body. I'm feeling the laughter coming up for me as we share this probably like 90s hip hop song. I don't know. That's what it would be for me. I love uh, it. <laughs> uh, so that imagery is coming in. And then the feeling that I felt, um, that moment of nostalgia, that moment of connectedness and joy and laughter, and then what thoughts were coming to mind. So maybe a thought of like, oh, this is so fun. fun. Or it doesn't have to be complex. It can be simple. So I'm hearing you say that number one, to look for ways to feel connected, but then also create those magical moments, like to to go outside and look at the sunset or to just maybe I'm walking my car, walking into my house just to look up at the stars for a second and like create that magic moment to laugh with a friend, to sing your favorite song at the top of your lungs. And then you're saying when, then when I'm in those dark moments, yes. I can, I don't always have to have those high experiences, but when I'm in those moments where I'm not, maybe I'm not having that day where I'm connected with my friends and singing at the top of the lungs in my car. Does journaling work with this as well? Can I sift through my emo emotions by writing them down? Does it have to be like, is there a correct way to do this? Or are there many ways that I can savor those emotions and savor the present moment, even when I'm not in the present moment? So savoring and, and then the sifting process of really milking that um, can be done really in any way that is most accessible to you. You know, I work with folks that are neurodivergent, ADHD, mm -hmm. autism, all kinds of identities that like, let's say sitting down with our eyes closed and imagining is not accessible. Like, okay, you can do this sitting, you can do this standing, yeah. right? It doesn't matter. But I will tell you this, we've been talking about the importance of mindfulness and here's another one. Okay. I just had a patient where I did a sifting exercise with her. And we finished up and I checked in and she said, gosh, I am so thankful. That when mm. I was in Hawaii, I took a moment to close my eyes and focus on what it smelled like and uh. how that mist of the ocean felt on my skin when the wind came. I am so glad I was present in that moment and took those five senses in because then when I took her through it, it felt real. And it's hard to sift if I wasn't present enough to remember those feelings. Yeah. So you're telling me that when I'm sitting down and being present today, I'm actually also setting my future self up for yes. success. Yes. Wow. It. Yeah. That's, exactly. I feel like that motivates me even more to be present, like not just for my joy today, but for my mental health in the future. It's like creating this little store bank. Yes. It's like creating a little bank of memories that I can pull back from. That's yes. incredible. Yes. Yeah. This is your savings. Wow. To, get to pull from in the moments where you Emotional have an emergency savings. and you need that. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, can you guide us through a quick exercise, what that looks like? Yeah. I'll take us through a little bit of sifting. There's a bunch of other ways to activate ventral vagal stuff that um, I'll probably share with you after this, but yeah. this is one way. And like you said, this is something you can journal out instead of visualizing just for the sake of us being on a podcast today, I'll take us through uh, the step-by-step -step of the sifting. But I do want you guys to know, honestly, this little bank, this savings bank of savoring of glimmer moments, um, you don't need to be with them for very long. So I'm going to take you through a couple of the steps, but let's say this takes a minute. You don't need a whole minute. It could be 30 wow. seconds. The research says 20 to 30 seconds that that brief can be just as effective. 
I'm excited to try this and I'm excited to apply it. Yay. This is an awesome tool. Yeah. Mm, yes. Okay. Okay. All right. So usually what I have us do is sit with our arms and legs uncrossed and our back upright, but not too stiff. And what that does is allows greater blood flow and the expansion of our lungs. So go ahead and do that wherever you are. And taking a deep breath. And just grounding down. And I want you to allow your mind to wander to maybe a time or times that you felt that moment of glimmer, that you felt that moment of savoring, and this can include people or animals. As you explore this, see if you can narrow it down to one. It doesn't have to be recent. It could be well in the past. That is okay. Once you have this moment, I want you to begin to explore what's around you, what it looks like, textures, the colors, the brightness or darkness. Breathing in, I want you to smell exactly how it smells. Like it's really here right now. Notice what you're touching, what's around you, that's connected to you. Feel that feeling on your skin. Maybe there's wind or sun. Maybe it's a fuzzy blanket, whatever it is. Feel it out. Notice this feeling in your body, maybe even a slight smile coming to your face. A feeling in your heart or your chest. Just savor that, lean into that. Notice what you think about this moment. Without judgment, just let whatever pops up be there. Just honor that. Now we're going to store this little moment of savoring, this little glimmer in our lives. I want you to imagine that you just took a quick picture of it, a Polaroid. And imagine storing that memory, sensations, feelings, thoughts, somewhere in your body for safekeeping to be accessed from this bank whenever you want it. And however your mind imagines storing it, go with that, don't question it. This will be here for you whenever these dark moments come and you've honored that dark moment and it is time to shift. You can start to sift. Whenever you're ready, taking a deep breath, 
taking this feeling with you, even if it's just for a couple more seconds as you begin to open your eyes and come back to the room that you're in. That was incredible. Well, yay. Yay. I was also realizing how often I can look back at moments that were happy moments, but how much I didn't pay attention to what I was feeling around me or the sounds or the sights. And I know for myself, like being a very busy person or like always trying to fill my schedule, it's, it's beautiful to think about, okay, in this memory bank, am I going to remember how it smells? Am I going to remember like what it looked like, what I felt like that's, that's powerful. And I'm excited to see how that impacts me. So. And you guys, I encourage you to share this and you as well, you know, share this with a friend because you know what, there's moments, um, my partner and I will be together and he'll be like, stop, Mm. close your eyes, take this in. Take a little mental picture. Yes. Because if I'm not in that moment and I'm out, right. But you told a friend, they can do that too. So you can do it for each other and build your bank. Isn't it crazy how just taking that second. It can mm-hmm. just elevate your emotional state and your ability to cope with life's challenges. Absolutely. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, are there any other techniques or exercises that can also help activate the ventral vagal system and promote well-being? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they're pretty easy ones. Um, basic things like humming, like, mm. Mm. <laughs> right? Like whether it's a song or yeah. like a Mm, when we're eating food, even that mm-hmm. little moment um, that activates and and kind of um, shakes our vagus nerve, which is like along our neck here. Um, yeah, singing does this too. That's why I kind of use the singing example, because if you were present for the singing, you also had ventral vagal activation and then you're recalling ventral vagal so your activation. your body's already in this restored state. Right. It's really interesting how you said earlier as well that it's using these things, they're compounding, doing these things on a day-to-day basis that will show you the impact on the long-term. Because if I'm waiting until the house is burning down mm-hmm. and I try humming at that moment, <laughs> it's probably, I'm assuming I'll probably still feel a little bit overwhelmed and have to process everything that I was building up. Mm-hmm. So I think remembering how, when you first learned about these techniques and started applying them, um, how would you, how did you start reminding yourself on a day-to-day basis to just start incorporating them? Did you try to do everything at once? Was it a slow process? Like, how did you, how did you make these habits? Cause yeah. it can be hard. It can be hard if you're used to not being present. Mm-hmm. How do you start to just slowly shift into the present moment and not just hear this podcast and forget and move on and stay <laughs> stuck? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I have a an anchor phrase I like to use because um, you you'd imagine as a psychologist it's easy for me to be like you know in my life you know with my family and then I'll think about something for a patient and like worry about them for a second right. and so um, as a as a trainee that happens more when you're early in your career. Uh, you do worry about your patients a little bit more. Think about, oh, how could I do this or that mm. um, outside of sessions? And so um, early on, it came up with what I call an anchor phrase. Mm. 
Um, so when I start to notice that I'm very much not in the present moment, not connected to the here and now, I'm getting really overwhelmed, whatever my body and mind signals are for that, maybe you know yours better, you know, mm-hmm. um, you look for those. And then I would notice, okay, I'm, I'm not in the present moment. I'm in whatever I'm thinking of for my patient or whatever it is. So I use the anchor phrase, be here now. Mm-hmm. here now now and that helps me to do that but some other people will have like a reminder on their phone an alarm you know mm-hmm. every time they hear a bird chirp outside their window that's their reminder it's their signal in. yeah I think it's interesting how you said earlier you know the first step is awareness it's like yeah. when you start to be aware of oh I'm carrying stress in my chest or I feel my anxiety starting to build in my stomach so when I'm able to notice that and then making that my signal. Okay. It's time to check in with myself and do those things. Awesome. Pick your signal and then you can anchor down and you can anchor down into a word, phrase, image, or just be present. Like just do the thing. That's okay too. I like that. So if you guys are listening to this podcast right now, maybe you take a second to what is your anchor phrase? What is, Mm -hmm. what is that going to be? And decide that maybe write it down in your notes app. Um, see if how you can start applying that. Dr. O. (laughs) We end every episode with the practical steps that our viewers can take with them. I feel like we've done several throughout this Mm -hmm. episode, Mm -hmm. Um, but I guess if we had to either recap or if you want to add another one, whatever works, what are some practical ways that listeners can take everything we've said today and just start incorporate mindfulness into their life? Yeah. So this is all about making our nervous system, our friend, our ally, Mm -hmm. instead of our enemy. Like, yeah. Come along with me. Let me try these things with you and turn towards your system to get feedback from it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the, the greatest expert on yourself and you can turn towards your nervous system instead of constantly distracting and turning away from it. Um, turn towards it with soothing and support the way you would if a friend came in the room in distress. That's the same way we should turn towards our nervous system like a friend instead of an enemy. Mm. Um, And then when we do that, the way we treat ourselves becomes an advertisement for how others should treat us. That's powerful. Yeah. Wow. The way we treat ourselves becomes an advertisement for how others should treat us. One of the other things that I heard you say was like, trust yourself and approaching yourself without judgment. Mm-hmm. Which I know are two things that I've definitely had to work through and struggled through personally, but um, being able to like we're all human, we all experience these pains, we all experience our nervous system being dysregulated. Uh, because I know at first when I first learned that my nervous system was dysregulated, it was very easy for me to look at myself with judgment and be like, "Oh well, I can't trust my body, I can't trust my nervous system." Like, and and that's not very helpful or conducive to healing. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's harder to get back up when you're kicking your own butt. Absolutely. Last thing is we ask every guest on our podcast, um, do you have any unique wellness tips or things that you like to incorporate in your own life? Uh, Anything you want to share doesn't necessarily have to be unique, but what's your favorite wellness application that you use in your own life? Uh, One that I learned, it comes from Qigong. Okay. Um, which is similar to Tai Chi, comes from Chinese medicine or Chinese approaches. Um, and it also, ironically, activates the ventral vagal pathway, um, okay. which is, you know, like when you hurt yourself or something goes wrong, people will be like, walk it off, shake it out, like just shake it out. Yeah. 
Um, in order to activate, you know, our ventral vagal nervous system um, when we're using Qigong is to literally shake our body. Mm. So yeah, like when you're stressed and sitting there, if you've got a job where you're like at a computer all day, sitting a lot, those kinds of things, um, maybe even once an hour, getting up and starting by shaking your hands. Okay. Yeah. And then shake your arms and shrug your shoulders a little. Do some like 80s shimmies. Yeah. Shimmy, shimmy. Take your face and maybe even make like silly sounds. Like, uh, like a little kid. Yes. So yeah, funny. Okay. Laugh. Yeah. And then taking your, your stomach, your legs, your feet. <sighs> that is legit like a relaxed dose of coffee. Wow. Yes. That's awesome. So do you just do this? Like, can you do this at your desk? Can I just, yeah. just take a step to the bathroom? Just go do it whenever I... Absolutely. It's incredible. Wow. Absolutely. So it's like a cup of coffee for your nervous system. Yes. I, yes. 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 I, I love it. <laughs> That's so cool. And I like let them go out to the waiting room and then I pass them an hour later and I was like, still feeling it. She's like, I still feel good. I don't even need to get my afternoon coffee. That's <laughs> amazing. Okay, guys, we'll try it out and let us know how it works out for you. Dr. O, you've given us so many good tips and just practical advice and also just shared about how the nervous system works. And it's been incredible. Um, I definitely feel like I'm more empowered to face my day with mindfulness and just understand the importance of why being in the present moment matters and how to just be a little bit more aligned and a little bit more present every day. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. I love talking to you and yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Natalia and Rare. Thanks. Um, okay, guys, we're also going to be starting a segment where you get to ask your questions for the experts and we answer them on here. Um, so please DM us at Rare Wellness Podcast on Instagram and nothing is off topics. Uh, mm -hmm. Mental health, sex, um, pain, health, functional medicine, skincare, anything that you want to know, we're here to talk about. So please DM us on there. Um, I hope you guys are able to apply everything that we talked about today um, and just live a little bit more aligned. Again, be sure to subscribe and follow so that you don't miss the next episode. Dr. O, thank you again for being here. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.